What's going on, everyone? My name is Josh, and I am a recovered love addict and uh, alcoholic. Um, and yes, thank you for the opportunity to share today. Um, I think I, when I was thinking about it, on um, what to share today, I thought I wanted to start off with um, giving my sobriety date, which is December 30th, uh, 2018. Um, and that's the last time I've drank and look at porn. And it's great because that's not something that I've earned on my own. That's not something that somehow I've done enough things and, you know, done enough good things to get that sobriety date that it's like, and really it's like, that's just a date, you know, but it's those days actually represent a changed life. And it's like, you know, I followed this program of recovery and it's like, now I have this connection to God. And because of that, I've been gifted this, uh, this gift of sobriety and this gift of recovery. Um, and I, it's funny to think of that, that it's like, you know, that I have this connection to God because I never would have thought that I was disconnected from God. Like I, I grew up in the church. I grew up, you know, with a good family. I grew up, you know, going to a good school, like I, all these things on the outside look good, but yet I was still disconnected from God and I didn't even know it. And I think that that's why we're all here. Like, I think we come to this meeting. I think we come to this group all with this problem that we're spiritually disconnected from God. And it doesn't matter how you came in. doesn't matter if drugs was your thing or alcohol or food or porn or, you know, gambling, or, you know, maybe you're just a family member of someone who's dealing with that stuff, or maybe there's just tension in your life. And maybe you're a constant, you know, conflict with others and tension with others. And you could be filled with anxiety and depression. And maybe that's what, that's what got you in the room here. But I think that that's what the commonality between all of us at some point, you know, in our lives currently or past, it's like that we were disconnected from God, spiritually disconnected from God. And when I look back in my life, even in the midst of addiction, it's like, I had no serenity. I had no peace. You know, I thought I had serenity and peace, but the only times I had serenity and peace is if everyone did what I thought that they were supposed to do, then I'd be good. If I had a Saturday alone, oh my goodness, like we're living at the spa. Like that, that's what, that's what it would be like, you know, or if you complimented me this way, or you said that, or everything just connected, then I could have peace. But that's, that, that was the, that was the illusion that I was, that I had peace in my life. Because if none of that happened, if I had, if you guys came over to my house for dinner and you didn't leave an hour after dinner time, yeah, my peace is gone all of a sudden. Like, and then what do I do? I got fantasy. I got booze. I got all these things that I need for ease and comfort that that's what's going to be my solution. That's what's going to satisfy me. You know, I was, I was filled with uselessness in the midst of addiction. I want to prove to everyone, especially when I was working, I want to prove to you how valuable I am. I want to prove to you that I'm worthwhile, that you can't get rid of me because look at all that I have to offer. I was filled with self-pity. You know, I'm like, poor old me. Oh my, like I would complain about whatever, whatever was going on in my life. And really it's like, why am I filled with self-pity? Like, you know, at the time, what am I? Mid twenties, late twenties, white guy living in one of the richest countries in the world. Like how bad is life? Yet for some and I have a nice condo downtown, but yet for some reason, everything else, everything is wrong. Poor me. It's like, what do you mean? Poor me. 
I was terrified of people. And, and I don't mean like, I'm not physically scared of you. But if my wife went out somewhere with friends and afterwards she came home and be like, oh, did they mention me? Did they say anything about me? What'd they say? Tell me more. I need to have more detail. I am so consumed with what you think about me because what you say about me is what that's what's actually feeding my identity. I had a fear of economic insecurity. I didn't think I had a fear of economic insecurity, like just working like everyone else. But when I look at how I'm actually trying to build up this kingdom of Josh, have all this money put away here and, and not, and I'm not saying that that's bad, but when I look at how I'm positioning my life, that is all about me trying to get what I need. Because if, if something happens to me or I can't work, all of a sudden, what happens? I don't have enough to provide for myself. I don't have enough to provide for my family. God isn't even in the equation in this. So how is it that I can be filled with all of these things? How, how is it that I have no peace? I have no serenity, feeling of uselessness. I have all these things going on. And at the same time, I'm being like, yeah, I'm connected to God. I'm spiritually connected to God. Like the two of those things don't go together. It's like they're, you know, like the opposite magnets. It's like they, they re repulse each other. It's like where God is, those things aren't. So why were, why were those things in my life? And I think deep down, there's a couple of things that I didn't want to admit. I didn't want to admit that I was selfish. I didn't want to admit that I was self-seeking. I didn't want to admit that I was self-centered. And then I don't want to admit that I'm powerless. You know, I don't want to admit that, that, you know, when we look at powerless, that I'm without ability. Like, I don't want to admit that, especially when it comes to like alcohol or fantasy or porn. It's like, I don't want to admit that to anyone because I want to be the guy who's in control. Look at how I was when I was at work. You know, I want everyone to come to me. I can figure out whatever the problem is. I can make this happen. I want to be the go-to guy because that's what's going to build me up. Even when I think of like having kids now, like, and we have three little kids and it's like, I don't want to get into a debate on parenting, but I started thinking because my parent, my kids haven't graduated high school. So some say that I, that I don't have the experience yet to speak into it, but really do I have control over my kids or is that just an illusion that I have control, you know? And I want, I want to be seen as someone in control. Like, I remember when I was younger, just thinking of people with kids that were misbehaving, like control your kids, man. And here I am like, oh yeah, please don't say that to me. Like, and it's like, do I have this illusion that because my kids weigh under 30 pounds that I can, cause I can pick them up and put them wherever they want. What happens when my kids all of a sudden, you know, are six inches taller than me or 30 pounds heavier than me? Do I really have that same control? I'm not going to pick them up and put them in for a timeout in his bedroom. So do I have that control or do I have the ability to influence and direct? But when I think of this lack of powerlessness or when I think of powerlessness and lack of control, I don't want to admit that because really that attacks my identity. You know, that attacks my identity at like of what it is to be a man. Because at my core, and maybe it's the same for women too, but when I don't have it all together, if, it's, if, if there's any, you know, crack in my armor, that's seen as weakness. So if Josh doesn't have it all together at all times, well, obviously he must not be man enough. And if I'm not man enough, all of a sudden I start crumbling because that's what my whole identity is built on about what you think of me. And I was reading, um, 
I was reading a Psalm last week and I shared a little, I shared a little bit of it, I think at this meeting, but I want to want to read it again. And it's Psalm 100 verse three. And so it comes out of the Bible and it says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And right away, it starts off with like, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. Have you ever made anything? Have you ever built something? Have you ever designed something? Have you ever created a song? Have you ever, um, you know, baked something? And what's the feeling that you get afterwards? You know, do you write a song and you're like, man, I'm the next Bono. Or do you like, or do you design something and thinking you're the next engineer or architect? My wife is on this big sourdough kick, sourdough bread kick right now. And every time, it's like the same time every time she makes some sourdough bread, calls me up, she wants to show me it. And she's describing the sourdough bread. I love her, but I have no idea what I'm looking at. I'm like, it looks like a loaf of bread to me, but she's describing the, what the crust or the thickness and the air bubbles and the, the, I think it's an ear. And I'm like, she is ecstatic about the sourdough bread. And I'm like, man, you're proud of this bread. Like I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm not a carpenter, but I built a deck two years ago. And at the end of the building, the deck, I'm so proud of this deck. And I'm like, man, look at what I built. Look at what I've created. This deck is so awesome. And then my brother comes around. And my brother's a carpenter who builds decks. And he all of a sudden starts saying, yeah, I wouldn't have done it like that. And I wouldn't have done it like that. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's why they call it a skill saw. You need skill to use it. And I'm like, oh, like, or like, oh, yeah, see that corner? That corner, it's supposed to be 45 degree angle. And I'm like, I like my decks at 48 degree angles, man. Like, <laughs> leave me alone. But it's like, for me, as the creator of this deck, I thought it was beautiful. And I was proud of what I had built. Is that not how God views me? Does God not view me and being like, man, you are exactly how I built you. God's not looking at me being like, man, Josh, I wish I gave you a thicker frame. I wish I made you six inches taller. I wish your voice sounded a little bit more like that. I wish you had a little bit more esteem in this area. God's not telling me, like God's just looking at me being like, look at what I've created. And I'm proud of you because you're made in my image. And why is it then that I start nitpicking my defects? that I'm not happy with how I look, or I'm not happy with how I sound, or I'm not happy with all these things. Hold on a second. Am I spiritually disconnected from God now? Is God within me? Is God in this place when I'm just poking at his creation? Um, the Psalm goes on to say, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Who the heck wants to be a sheep? Like no one wants to be a sheep. Sheep are the stupid. I have actually no experience with sheep. So don't quote me on this, but I, my view on a sheep is that they're just a stupid animal that they're just tra-la-la along. And I don't want to be a sheep. You know what I want to be? I want to be a cowboy. That's what I want to be. And I'm on this cowboy kick right now. I just watched a Western TV show and I'm like, Joanne, we're moving to Montana. We're going to get some, we're going to get a ranch and some horses and, you know, we're going to get some cattle and that's our life. Or move to Northern Ireland and maybe we'll, you know, read it as it is and we'll get some sheep. We'll, we'll have a sheep herd. And it's like, why do I want to be, what is with this fascination of a cowboy? And I think it goes back to that cigarette, like the, the Marlboro man, like 
who doesn't want to be a cowboy? Because what does a cowboy represent? You know, that he's stoic, that he has it all together, that he's in control. If there's a problem, he's going to solve it. He's independent. He doesn't need anyone. Why has that all of a sudden become the image of what I want to be? And God's telling me, you're not a cowboy. You're not a cowboy, bro. Like, settle down. You're a sheep. So think about this, because this is how I live my life. I live my life as if I'm a cowboy. So picture all of us on the call. We're all in a pen right now. We're all, we're all in, a, in, a, in a corral where they keep sheep or something. And think of, we're, think of us that, that we're all sheep. And whenever you think of the, the sheep, put your face on the sheep. And then see my face on the sheep. So all of a sudden, I'm walking over to the, the corral door, and I'm like, I got a good idea. There's a horse over there. So let's put on four cowboy boots. Let's throw on a cowboy hat. And I jump on the horse. And all of a sudden, I got this bright idea that I'm going to start telling everyone, being like, I'm just going to direct this thing. I'm going to tell you, we got to go over to this pasture today, and now we've got to go to that pasture. All of you are looking at me like, WTF, man. Like, what are you doing? You're a sheep on top of a horse. Get off. Like, what are you doing? Like, you look like an idiot. And for some reason, I'm like, this is my role. This is how I'm meant to be living my life. I'm the cowboy and I need to control everything. But what happens is I try and control you. I need to be like, okay, we're going to go over here and then you're going to go over there and, and, and we need to try and direct everyone. But you guys are looking at me like you're a stupid sheep on a horse. What are you doing? Get off. And I start stepping on your toes. And now you, and now you retaliate. And now there's all this conflict because I'm not actually taking the role on that I should be taking on. I'm meant to be just a sheep, but yet I want to be a cowboy, you know? And when, when I, when I take this role that I want to control, I'm always on the basis or I'm almost always in collision with something and somebody, no matter how good my motives are. I might've had great motives getting on that horse and trying to arrange the show and trying to control all you people. doesn't matter what my motives were. That's not the role I meant to take. And then all of a sudden, I'm in conflict. I'm in tension. There's disarray in all my relationships. And it says, it says this in the big book. Is he not, is Josh not, even in his best moments, a producer of confusion rather than harmony? What am I bringing in to the relationships that I'm with? What am I bringing in to the scenarios and the places, the meetings that I go to? Am I coming in and am I bringing harmony? Am I bringing the spirit of God or am I bringing confusion? Again, it doesn't matter what my motives are. I could have good motives and still create confusion and discourse and chaos. Um, but when I get, when I get, when I can focus on just being a sheep, that's what I'm intended to be like. Because now when I'm a sheep, I don't have to worry about the wolves. I don't have to worry about the cougars and the mountain lions. I can just be where I'm supposed to be. I don't have to worry about what am I going to eat today or where am I going to sleep? The cowboy is going to direct me where I need to go. The cowboy is going to tell me, and I just get to hang out in the herd with you people because that's where there's safety. That's where I'm meant to be. That's how God has intended me to be and just let the cowboy lead me. Because every time I try and hop back on the horse, what happens? I take, I'm trying to take control again. I'm trying to be like, yeah, God, we don't, we, I don't really need you in this scenario. 
because I think I have a better idea right now. And every time I do that, how much closer am I getting to opening the bottle? How much closer am I getting to looking at porn again or to living a life of fantasy? How much closer are you to opening the food cupboard? How much closer are you to gossiping? How much closer are you to, you know, doing Coke or whatever, whatever it is that brought you here? How much closer are you to that thing when you start pushing God out of the way and you start regaining control? Because when I can be just a sheep and I can sit back and just be confident being like, man, God has created me to be who I am right now in this place. Then there's some satisfaction in that moment. Then all of a sudden fear starts to dissipate. And when that fear goes away, I can be placed at a, I can be put in a position of neutrality that it doesn't matter what you say or what they say, or if they did say anything at all, none of that stuff matters because I'm not seeking you good or bad to feed this. I have this connection to God. So am I willing to turn my will and my life over the care of God? Because I know that if I start noticing when things are popping up in my life, is God in that place at the same time? Or are those all, are those all signs to me like, man, I have conflict here. I have conflict there. Well, this person's bad. If, if I start noticing these things, maybe those are signs that, hey, I, I've, I've lost my connection to God somewhere. And I need, I need to refocus on, on that. I need, I, need, I need to reposition myself and say, God, have I taken back control? Even, even unknowingly, have I taken back control? Because that's not what I want. Because when I do that, I know how vulnerable I become to addiction. I know how vulnerable I am to the chaos in my life. Um, that is what I have. I don't, know, I don't know if I have anything else to share right now. And I know my time's coming close. So that's what I have. So thank you for uh, allowing me to be of service today.